right, welcome one, welcome all to Vernacular Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. You're laughing at me. I think it's cute. <laughs> and you think I'm cute too. I do. Um, okay, welcome back. We are going to do a, a winter watch, listen, read episode. If you've listened before, you know that we like to do these quarterly, seasonal. Uh, and today we're going to give give you some recommendations about watching, listening, and reading things. And I should say listening to you don't, you don't listen something. You listen to something. <laughs> that's okay. All right. Watching, reading, and listening to things. That, that sounds weird though, if I say it that way. Anyway, that's what we're going to talk about that's what today. That's we're going to say, watch, read, listen. Yeah. Well, we'll just go with that. Winter, watch, <laughs> read, listen. And uh, we're going to do it in our normal 20-minute episode. And uh, we'll call it a day. Great. So, sounds good. Sally, let's start with you. Okay. First of all, happy um, ordinary time. Yes. Happy ordinary time. Happy 2020. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I hope that everyone enjoyed our uh, Roe v. Wade episode two weeks ago. By enjoyed, I don't. I mean, it wasn't like a super delightful episode. It, it's a sobering topic, but hopefully you got something out of it. Hopefully we did, you're, preparing for it. Yeah, certainly. Um, and we, uh, we got some good feedback on it, so thank you for that if you gave us feedback. If you haven't given us feedback... Uh, but we'd love to give you, would love to give us feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, so, we'd love to hear your perspective. Zach and Sally, Z-A-C and Sally. No H, H's are unnecessary. <laughs> Z-A-C and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. Uh, and now let's do the winter watch, read, listen, Sally. Okay, great. All right, so what is the first recommendation you have? Yeah. Let's go with, let's go in that order, watch, read, listen. So watch first, okay. What are your watch recommendations for winter 2020? Okay, so we, well, I guess I have been enjoying The Crown. We haven't been watching it super quickly and we're not very far through the third season, but I found it very educational and just fascinating. Normally, I don't gravitate towards the period shows, but I really did enjoy the first two seasons of The Crown. And um, I don't want to give away too much because our next episode of Vernacular is going to actually be with some friends of ours who we might just call them The Crown Experts. And we're going to be talking about the crown with them. They've so, been on. They've been on the show before. So many, many times. If yes. you're a long-time listener, they will be familiar <laughs> voices. But uh, yeah, we'll, we won't talk about it too much. But I, Sally, will echo your recommendation of the crown. We are through, I think, five episodes. Maybe um, four or five, I believe. Like like you said, Sally, we're going through it slowly. Um, but I will especially commend the third episode, Aberfan. Yes, which is um, the name of a Welsh town. That we had never heard of before, but this, I mean, one of the delightful things about the crown, uh, and I do love the word delightful, uh, <laughs> is that it's so historical. Now, um, it is, I, I will contrast this with something like the two popes, and I'll explain that contrast in just a moment. Uh, but I love that it is firmly grounded in real historical events. Yes. And then the writers of the crown, uh, the the artistic directors then sort of fill in the gaps with with possible their own speculation yeah possible conversations and events that could have happened yeah given what we do know did actually happen and uh, Aberfan is no exception but Aberfan is the name of a Welsh village that was buried under a uh, a mining accident a yeah well there explosion? was a, there was a mining accident it wasn't even an explosion it was like a landslide I don't know exactly. Uh, what I just don't know what precipitated the landslide. Yeah, there was, I mean, I was reading about this a little bit and there's this thing called a spoil tip um, and the tip uh, was saturated by water um, and that led to a spoil slide or a landslide. Um, Covering the town. Right. And so I don't, I don't know what a tip is exactly, but it has something to do with mining, like you were saying, Sally. So there, you know, some, some aspect of the mining 
contributed to geological uh, instability that precipitated the landslide um, in concert with a lot of uh, rainfall. So it was really, really sad because it killed 28 adults and 116 children because the landslide just basically hit directly on the school and and buried these children. It was horrifying, and it was a difficult episode to watch, but I think it was masterfully done. I think that's the thing about The Crown is that it's not always easy to watch. It's not always fun. Yeah, it's not like, let me grab my popcorn. Right, but it's so well acted, so well written, and so well shot that I'm just left fascinated and on the edge of my seat every episode. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it is the um, the most well done show that is currently running. I mean, nothing can can eclipse my Breaking Bad, but uh, <laughs> of shows that are currently active, I will say it's the most well done. So I echo your your recommendation there. Okay, I, but not the two popes. Correct. Yeah, great segue. So I said I would contrast the crown with the two popes, and so I said I appreciate how the crown is historically grounded, and then sort of fills in what we don't know with what could have happened. The two popes I did watch, I, I muscled through the whole thing because I wanted to do a review of it on my uh, theology podcast, Creedal Catholic, and go check that out if you haven't already. Um, but in fact, I, I interviewed uh, John Waters and released that episode last week. John is an Irish journalist um, who wrote a review of the movie in the journal First Things, and so he and I talked for about an hour about the movie. Um, and the movie is different from The Crown. I mean, it's masterfully done from an artistic standpoint. I think the dialogue is well-constructed. The acting is incredible. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, in fact, got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Jonathan Price, who plays um, uh, Francis. Uh, well, actually, he really plays Cardinal Bergoglio, who obviously becomes Pope Francis. But at the time of the portrayal, um, it, it's Cardinal Bergoglio. Jonathan Price plays him. He was nominated for um, Best Actor for an Academy wow. Award. So masterful masterful performance by those two. The problem is, completely unlike The Crown, it builds itself as being inspired by true events. But in fact, nothing that it, it portrays in actuality in the film is a real event. There are some flashbacks um, that have their grounding in historicity. But, you know, the whole movie centers around this um, this pre-resignation visit of Bergoglio to Benedict in Rome and in Castel Gandolfo, his, um, his summer retreat, that never happened. <laughs> so everything that we see play out in this movie never happened. Uh, and so there are no true events that inspired it unless you count the existence of uh, Pope Benedict, Fra- <laughs> Pope and, Benedict the- <laughs> and the existence of then Cardinal Bergoglio as the true events that inspired it. Yeah. Uh, so totally, totally different from the crown. It is not an imaginative uh, possibility. It is really like a, a, um, not even speculative, uh, because it couldn't have happened. It is a, um, it's, it's an alternate history type of thing. It's a, it's a parallel universe, yeah. imaginative, in, imaginative construct. Yeah. Uh, I don't recommend it. Um, unless you want to watch it for the specific reason of sort of, um, analyzing how, um, narrative is created and spun in a way that is contrary to what actually happened. Um, and, and it, but if you want the full review, go, go listen to Creedal Catholic and, and there's an hour of information about it. And I give a little bit more, uh, I sort of flesh out my recommendation about whether or not you, you should watch it. I, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to watch, but there are better things for you to watch too. I promise you that. Okay. And that brings us to a recommendation that I would say is maybe half hearted okay. the laundromat. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we can give a full, a full recommendation, but it's not like the best movie ever made. Right. And yeah. there's some scenes that I would fast forward. Oh, I don't remember those. I guess I purged them from my memory, but thank you for giving that disclaimer. We don't. <laughs> but we yeah. have Meryl Streep as the main character in this Netflix original movie. Yep. And it is kind of half uh, from her perspective and half from the 
kind of omniscient perspective of the narrators who are the uh, yeah they're they're the heads of Malsac Fonseca, which is the main accounting firm that was at the center of the Panama Papers scandal. If you know anything about the Panama Papers, it was uh, a collection of documents, a treasure trove of data, 11.5 million documents, I think, um, that were released by or from this firm. They were released by a whistleblower, but they were tied to, you know, over 200,000 offshore entities that had all kinds of information about uh, embezzlement and fraud and tax evasion and, and all of these things. And so the laundromat is basically a story of how the rich get richer by uh, taking advantage of tax loopholes, uh, offshore accounting firms, et cetera, of which Mossack Fonseca is kind of the, the emblematic uh, example and the one involved in the Panama Papers. Uh, and it's it's a really interesting retelling because of what Sally was saying. There is like the omniscient narrators uh, who are the heads of this firm. And the, the criminals. <laughs> yeah, and, and we, we, we cut back and forth between someone who has basically lost everything because of this firm's practices and the guys who are explaining how, how they make their money exactly. And uh, it is sort of, it sort of plays with time a little bit, cutting cutting back and forth. And you feel uh, like sometimes you're watching a play. Yes. And sometimes it's a movie. And sometimes it's a comedy and sometimes it's a drama. Yeah, uh, it's, so it, it's it, really well done. It's very interesting. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I think we can give it a full-hearted recommendation with with the um, caveat that it's not the, maybe not the best. It is and a Steven, I think it's rated R. Uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Steven Soderbergh? Se- Steven Soderbergh, yeah. Um, who has done a number of films, many of many of uh, which I think you would recognize. Did you Oceans? Um, he did do Oceans. Let me see if I can find his list here. Okay, so um, yeah, most recently, The Laundromat. He also did Magic Mike, which I haven't seen. Contagion, which I have, and is oh, okay. very good. Yes, I remember that. Uh, also an interesting way of uh, storytelling. The Informant with Matt Damon. Uh, the Oceans trilogy, as you mentioned, Sally, or at least Oceans, let's see. Yeah, Oceans 11, 12, and 13. He did all of them. Um, Aaron Brockovich. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think those are those are his biggest ones you'd recommend or that you'd recognize. Uh, but there we go. So Steven Soderbergh, The Laundromat. That's kind of funny that the three watch uh, suggestions that we give are all kind of like historical sort of. Yeah, true. <laughs> to varying extents. Well, I have, an, I have a fourth one, which is The Mandalorian. Oh, right. Uh, okay. Not historical. Yeah. Although it does take place a long, long time ago <laughs> uh, in a galaxy far, far away. It's kind of a throwback to. <laughs> yeah. Now, listen, if you listened, if you listen to the episode in late December that I did with Chandler about the new Star Wars, you know, I'm not a huge Star Wars buff. So I'm not the person to rely on if you are a level five Star Wars fan, as I elaborated on my <laughs> my five level system of Star Wars fandom. But the Mandalorian is delightful. There's that that wonderful word again. It's a delightful retelling. It is done by uh, story and directing by John Favreau of Chef, of Marvel Universe fame, etc. I'm a big fan of Favreau's work. And what he does here, I really like because, you know, uh, instead of going the J.J. Abrams route, spinning up the special effects, amping them up 10 times, uh, doing things with, you know, I talked about with Chandler, force projection and stuff that we've never seen in the universe before. He dials it back. The Mandalorian is is a person, right? He, he's, he's not a Jedi. He's from Mandalore. Uh, he He's not a Jedi. He, he fights the old-fashioned way without a lightsaber. Um, and, you know, he has this wonderful bond with little tiny baby Yoda. <laughs> uh, more importantly, for the nostalgia factor, I just learned this. Favreau was insistent on not using CGI, CGI for all of the... Uh, the alien 
extraterrestrial characters, but rather using puppets. And so it does have this like 1970s Star Wars feel to it. Of course, you know, updated, you know, better, better colors and resolution and all the stuff that you'd expect for the modern day. But, but it does, it does have a lot to appeal to the, the older souls among us. Um, Yeah, that's cool. And so I appreciate it. It's just a, it's just a fun Star Wars yarn. Uh, The stakes are much lower. I mean, although I guess you know, if, if Baby Yoda dies, then, you know, so those are pretty high stakes in that sense. Uh, but, you know, no Death Stars and um, and things like that. So so it's an enjoyable uh, series. I haven't watched the whole thing through yet, but I am enjoying what I've seen so far. Nice. All right. So read. Yeah. All right. What are you reading, Sally? So the last time we did this, I said that I was going to read Heart of Perfection about spiritual perfectionism yes. by Colleen Carroll Campbell. Because I loved her My Sister's the Saints memoir. And Heart of Perfection did not disappoint. It was fantastic. She goes through in several chapters the different aspects of spiritual perfectionism, the different ways that it manifests, maybe in one person, maybe in different people, and the different saints that guided her through in her overcoming spiritual perfectionism. So I think I might even read it again this year. It was so good. So that's one. I like it. The Heart of Perfection. Yes. And then... um. Since 2020 has begun, I have started Strangers and Sojourners, which is by Michael D. O'Brien, and you gave me that, Zach, for yeah. my birthday, and I finally have started it, and I'm about- Took you long enough, Sally. <laughs> I'm almost 400 pages in. <laughs> it is a big novel, but it is the start of his uh, seven, yeah, seven book epic story, Yeah, and the first three-year trilogy, the second three-year trilogy, and then the- trilogy and then the seventh one is a standalone now if i understand that they all they all can stand alone right but yes but they recommend that you start each trilogy at the beginning okay so we did read father elijah which is the second the of middle, the third trilogy okay. but or they the recommend second of the second trilogy sorry the second of the second yeah. trilogy but they recommend that you or the back of his book recommends that you start at the beginning of each trilogy makes sense so i mean i do remember reading father elijah and like coming in like I should know who Elijah already yeah, was. I remember yeah. feeling that. Right. And his whole backstory is in the first yeah. book. So and at the time has... I didn't know there was a first book. So right. yeah, when I found that out, I was like, oh, maybe Makes I should so much that sense. One. Yeah. Yeah. Strangers and Sojourners is amazing. The writing is beautiful. The characters are so deep and it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a spiritual novel, a Catholic novel. Um, but I think you can, you can read it just for the, the story as well. So I recommend that for sure. And then my last book, which is a lot more fun, um, in some respects, it's not a downer in any way is, um, uh, Oh, how do you, I'm not sure how you pronounce her name. I think it is, um, Ayesha at last, but I've only been reading it, so I'm not sure, but it's a fun kind of romance, um, like chick flick book. Um, that's a Muslim retelling of pride and prejudice sort of. Um, and I have just been finding it really enjoyable and I'm almost done with that one. And it is, it's not exactly pride and prejudice, but it's a similar idea of arranged marriages and misunderstanding and pride and prejudice. So I recommend it. It sounds great. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, I'll give three, three, three recommendations as well. Although I guess really the first two are recommendations and the third is something that I'm about to start and excited about. And, you know, you might be interested as well. So the first is a book by John Krakauer called Into Thin Air. This is a story of the, I 19- forgot that you read that. Yeah, That's right. the 1996 Everest disaster that uh, claimed, I, I want to say a dozen lives or, or, 11 lives, 13 lives, somewhere around there, a horrific uh, accident that was sort of across expeditions, a sort of not a terribly bad storm, a kind of run of the mill by Everest standard storm came through, but people were just unprepared. Uh, Expedition leaders had made ill-informed decisions earlier. Uh, People on the expeditions were not trained well, et cetera. 
Um, so in 1996, this disaster happened. John Krakauer was writing for um, Outside, and uh, which is the name of a magazine. And um, he was sent on an expedition to basically document the expedition and do it all. So he was there. I mean, it was just, wow. um, I, I don't think fortuitous is the right word, but um, it was um, interesting that there was a journalist present yeah, to, account. to recount what happened. And so this is, the story is basically what, you know, his, his firsthand account of what happened. And now there's a movie? There is a movie. The movie came out in 2015 or 16. It's called okay. Everest. I've seen it. I want to see it again, though, because I saw it on an airplane. And so I had my sure. little tiny eight inch screen or whatever. Yeah. Um, not much bigger than an iPhone. So I want to see it again. Um, and that's on my list, especially now that I just read the book. Yeah, uh, it's, it's higher on my list. So that's a, a fantastic, although sad read. Krakauer um, is a good storyteller. Um, second recommendation, and I'd love it if you pick this up and um, joined us for our Lenten book club on Creedal Catholic. My recommendation is Jesus of Nazareth, specifically the second in Benedict the Sixteenth trilogy, Jesus of Nazareth Holy Week from the entrance into Jerusalem to the resurrection. Um, if you haven't read this uh, and you have an interest, even even a passing interest in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, you will not regret reading this. Um, I've said many times this trilogy is the best exploration of the life of Jesus of Nazareth and um, what it means for people today that I've ever read. And I, I've never heard anyone contest that claim when I've made it. So uh, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's safe to say that it's true. <laughs> and you know, it's so layered. I mean, I've read it twice and I would definitely read it a third time. Well, you are going to read it a third time, right? Yes, you're gonna, you're I mean, do of course. <laughs> we're doing the, uh, the Lenten Book Club on the Credo Catholic podcast where we're breaking this up into three discrete episodes because there is so much in here. I mean, it's a, it's a 300 page book about, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, um, you know, two of two of three books, but it's, it's a big one. And there's so much to talk about, and we couldn't do it justice in one episode. So we're going to break it up into three different episodes, um, have a couple different guests on to talk about it with us, and it should be great. But pick up a copy if you can. The second book of Benedict XVI's Jesus of Nazareth trilogy. The third book, this is the one that I haven't read, but I'm about to start. It's called The Impossible State by Victor Cha. And I've said before on the podcast that I am a fan of all things North Korea. I just find that I find the Hermit Kingdom an absolutely fascinating place. Let me back up. When I say I'm a fan of North Korea, I'm not a fan of the despotic regime of North Korea right. that imprisons and starves Learning people. Learning about it. I'm sorry. What I mean is, from a sociological yeah. and political science perspective, I'm fascinated by the existence of a place like North Korea that manages to remain so isolated from the world, that insulates its people from so much of what the Western world has produced and disseminated throughout the rest of the world. Yeah. Haven't you seen a few documentaries about it too? Oh, I've seen a ton of documentaries about it. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've read, yeah, I've read so many things. I've read, you know, I love long form pieces on North Korea. So you're like your pet topic. It, it, it's really, it's really fascinating. And I mean, one of the reasons it's so fascinating is because it's a reminder of people in North Korea who need help. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. there are multiple missionaries who have gone to North Korea and have not returned. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, even as recently as, you know, the case of Otto uh, Warmbier, who, was from Ohio. I think it was Ohio. So from the U S he was an American, um, went there, uh, on a, you know, he, he claims, or he claimed at the time it was just, you know, tourism, but, um, I've read other pieces suggesting that he was basically going there as a covert missionary, wow. thinking that he was going to evangelize the people, uh, took a, a picture of the dear leader from his hotel room and then got arrested for espionage. Um, was in prison, was finally returned after years in imprisonment, but was um, essentially brain dead at that time oh, and, wow. and died upon return. I mean, so really, sad. really sad stuff. But this is a this is a state and not just any state, but a state that threatens the rest of the world with nuclear intercontinental ballistic missiles. And um, and that is a that's a crazy thing to me. So from a from an academic perspective, 
I'm very interested in North Korea from a, a humanistic perspective. I'm very interested in learning about the people of North Korea and mm-hmm. how they survive day to day under such a, a despotic regime. And Victor Cha's work, I'm a huge fan of. When I was in grad school studying international relations professionally, um, his stuff was always some of the most incisive, but also the most readable. Oh, and, wow. and I always valued people who wrote in academic journals in a readable way yes. and didn't try to lose their readers in jargon and prove how smart they were. And Victor Cha, I thought was always very good at that. So um, The Impossible State, North Korea, Past and Future by Victor Cha. Uh, Cha spelled C-H-A. I'm excited to read this. And just to pick up on your comment about your Credo Catholic book club, we are going to have another vernacular book club sometime in 2020. Oh, yeah. Once we actually choose our book. But we have decided that we want to read something by Cormac McCarthy. Narrowed it down. Yep. And All we the have, Pretty Horses, The Road, No Country for Old Men. Probably one of those three. I would, yeah. I one of, those are probably the- Blood Meridian, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, if you've never read Cormac McCarthy like me, or you have, like Zach and- at least one of our, we might have two guests, but we're at least going to have Teresa Breslin back on. And she's read some Cormac McCarthy. We will be diving into one of his novels yeah, later excited. this year. Should we do our listen recommendation, Sally? Yes. All right. You want to kick us off for this one? Sure. So um, I definitely need to mention Office Ladies because I've been recommending it to everyone. We are big fans of the TV show, The Office, and we've seen it at least one time through together. But now that the office ladies have started a podcast and it's literally Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, Pam and Angela from the show, they break down each week, almost each week. Sometimes they skip a week, uh, an episode of the office in order. So they started with season one, went through season one in order, and now they're in season two. And it's just so fun to watch the show and then Wednesday, you know, sometime listen to the episode that breaks it down. And sometimes they have guests and something they have these kind of hidden secrets about the episode or what, you know, memories that they have. So we've been slowly making our way through the office in tandem with Jenna and Angela. And it's been really fun. Yeah. Um, also, uh, another shout out for Pints of Aquinas and Godsplaining, two shows that we've mentioned before. Um, also, I'll mention Hope Over Christ, which is Meg Hunter Kilmer's podcast feed. She's not always podcasting. Sometimes it's just a recorded talk that she's given at a parish on her journeys through the U.S. But I just think that she's she's a great homilist and uh, she has some really insightful and challenging words about how to live out our faith. Great. I love those recommendations. Thanks. I am, I have some podcasts, but I also have a piece of music uh, or a, I guess a collection of music that I want to recommend. I've been a fan of the Black Keys for a while. Nothing approaching a super fan. I don't own any of their music. I mean, I've certainly streamed it. I, I actually don't really own many much music at all. Sure. I stream most of my music. But uh, but I like the Black Keys a lot. They released an album in, in uh, June of last year. Um, so it's not a brand new album. But one day my phone just decided to automatically download this album to itself, right? <laughs> and so really so I was, you know, I think I found myself without Wi-Fi or data or something somewhere, maybe on an airplane. And I was like, you know, what, what, what music do I have on this? I don't even know. And so um, I had like a bunch of um, random podcasts that had somehow made their way, you know, via Apple music, you know, from my computer yeah. onto there. But then I also had the Black Keys album nice. and I was like, uh, let me check this out and just, and hear what it sounds like. And I have to say, I really like it. So this, um, this album is, uh, like I said, by the Black Keys, it is called let's rock. And you know, how can, how can an album called let's rock not be amazing? <laughs> uh, here's, here's a representative sample from the book or from the album. It has a sort of, um, Gary Clark Jr. vibe to it. Oh, nice. And uh, if you know me, you know I love, I love <laughs> me some Gary Clark Jr. 
All right, so that's Let's Rock. Um, and you probably couldn't tell it just from that small sample, but the the lyrics to this album are pretty rich. Uh, there is a, um, I mean, what, what you heard from there is basically, um, you know, shine a little light on my soul. Uh, talking about um, the need for light on our soul when we encounter the devil. Talking about our lack of awareness of what is beyond, you know, that we're just reliant on faith, but that, that we don't have complete certainty you know, all we know is that we decompose. I mean, it's a little bit cynical, and I understand that it's not. Um, it's not a. It's not a view that I it's entirely align with. But I can. I can. I can sympathize with the human desire to seek God despite uh, or in the midst of our uncertainty. So I recommend the Black Keys. Let's rock. It has that. Uh, that that well, that wasn't even the most Gary Clark Jr. sounding uh, track on the album. There are some more that have really kind of like the blues inspired um deep kind of uh electric uh guitar blues rock driving line and and it's just a lot of fun and i like it a lot so that's my music recommendation um i will also give you a couple podcast recommendations one is called boomtown just started listening to this Mm. uh, but it's a very fun uh podcast from texas monthly new to the podcasting game they just started their podcast december 10th of last last month um, and it is uh, so far through six episodes. It is an exploration of the Permian Basin. And if you don't know what the Permian Basin is, um, neither did I, I do not. until <laughs> until pretty recently. The only reason I did know before this podcast is because I had a I worked for a guy when we lived in Austin whose son was attending classes at the University of Texas Permian Basin (UTPB). Oh. I'd never heard of it prior to that. Huh. Uh, but also this guy's son was attending classes online. So he was taking online classes oh. at UTPB, living in Austin. And, and anyway, I digress. But the Permian Basin is basically um, where Midlands, Odessa, Texas is. Oh, okay. you know so so West, West Texas. Um, and uh, it is an oil-rich area of Texas, probably the most oil-rich area of Texas, especially now with all the, the fracking booming that's, uh, the fracking boom that's gone on. Um, and so... Boomtown, this podcast series, is an exploration of the economic and consequent cultural and societal transformation that has taken place in the wake of the fracking boom. Um, and, and it leaves some questions like what will happen when the boom ends um, and what is fracking doing to the environment? So it's uh, it's interesting and I definitely recommend uh, a listen. Uh, one of the interesting things to me is just how many highway fatalities happen down there because there are so many big rigs flying hither and thither um yeah i mean like that's scary from what i gather the highest um highest per capita traffic deaths in the nation Uh, it's crazy wow so that's the permian basin of texas the podcast is called boomtown uh but i i recommend giving it a listen um also a new one that i have yet to start but was just recommended to me and i look forward to trying it out it's called business wars it's a wondery podcast and um it's a series of podcasts normally there's you know four to six um individual episodes in a sort of mini series, but they all look at a business war. So, you know, for example, Hershey versus Mars, Facebook versus Snapchat, Boeing versus Airbus, um, cereal wars between various cereal manufacturers. Wow. So if you have an interest in Anheuser-Busch versus Miller, Netflix versus Blockbuster, if you have an interest in business um, and how business companies duke it out, that might be a fun one. I'm going to be trying that out in the next few days. I will also just add as a little bonus recommendation, we've mentioned the rewatchables on here before. If you're at all a Quentin Tarantino fan, uh, first of all, listen to an episode of Creedal Catholic that I did with uh, Father Jim Barron about the theology of Quentin Tarantino. But also know that the last three episodes, uh, I guess by the time this airs, probably the 
three of the last four episodes were um, with Quentin Tarantino appearing on the Rewatchables podcast to talk about three different movies, King of New York, Unstoppable, and Dunkirk. So if you are a fan of Tarantino and or a fan of any of those movies and want to hear Tarantino uh, talk about them for an hour and a half to two hours, um, then check out the Rewatchables podcast, part of the Ringer podcast network. Yeah, one podcast that I want to try um, is the Catch and Kill podcast with Ronan Farrow. Yeah. And it's only, they're only like five episodes in, but it's the kind of thing where I feel like I have to be kind of dialed in and the gym, my only podcasting listening space is not always the best place for that. And it's just hard for me to add in new podcasts because I always just feel like there's something new to listen to, but that is one that I've heard recommended and I kind of want to try it because it would be an interesting story to hear firsthand. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that's our read, watch, listen recommendations. And then I think we have one thing we each wanted to talk about. One yes. thing that, that we're thinking about lately, that we're doing lately, that we is on our mind lately, et cetera. Yeah, so on the downside, you can say the upside. The downside is we've had a lot of plumbing troubles lately, and that has pretty much taken up our from, well, I guess it originally started before Thanksgiving, but then it, we had a, a little reprieve during Advent, and on Christmas the first day of Christmas, Christmas Day, we again had plumbing trouble. So the Thanksgiving one was by far the worst. Did we talk about that on the podcast before? I don't I don't know. Standing water in our basement, et cetera. Yeah. If this sounds familiar, I'm sorry for repeating myself, but I'll give you the the twenty second uh the twenty second story. So we came down came down one morning and heard what sounded like water rushing by the over by the dishwasher. And we're like, that's interesting. Turns out a pipe fitting um between our exterior and interior um, water supply, not supply, a, a hose line. Uh, I'm, I'm using words like I know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, but a, a pipe fitting had just burst. It wasn't It wasn't cracked. It wasn't a cracked pipe because it froze. It had just burst. And it had burst, unfortunately, on the inside side of that fitting. And so we had water just cascading into our basement for probably for hours by the time we caught it. And there was standing water there. So that was a big operation to um, call a plumber, uh, get a drying crew in here and everything. We were very, very blessed. This did not happen five days later when we had just left for our Thanksgiving yeah. vacation. So in that sense, um, you know, we have nothing to complain about, but finally got that sorted out. Obviously it was an expensive fix and all of that. And then, uh, and then we had this other issue where we had a leak, um, different pipe and everything, but a leak in a similar area of our basement, um, that was, uh, a wastewater line. And actually before the Thanksgiving thing, we'd had another, another, uh, a wastewater issue in the same pipe, slightly different issue. Um, and so we had already ripped up carpet in our closet for that. One. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my. And then, and then we had a, um, that same wastewater line leaking again. Turns out that was because there was a blockage in the line. So, um, then we had to have, you know, a drain guy come out and then the plumber guy come out to fix the bad joint on the pipe that was leaking in the first place. Just a whole. Yeah. That involved water rushing out of the sink onto the floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, and then we, uh, we have our dishwasher break and we find uh, out it's because water has leaked underneath the dishwasher, right? And, and circuited it. Consequently, underneath our entire floor, floor in our kitchen. <laughs> so now we've ripped up the entire floor in our kitchen. We also had to buy a new dishwasher because the previous one had been shorted by the water that it had leaked all over itself. But Zach just looked on YouTube and figured out how to install a dishwasher. That is true. That wasn't that hard. I've also been trying to figure out how to do like electrical installation because since we pulled up our floor, we also we've also had to widen a 
a doorway in our house and we've been doing that, but I had to move a light switch and we have aluminum wiring, which is not <laughs> good. So you have to do a certain thing to match aluminum to copper because it turns out aluminum and copper are frenemies and they'll conduct electricity together, but they will also corrode each other and then make a fire risk. So if you don't Learned join them so correctly, much. you know, that's bad. And so, uh, so yeah, I've learned how to join copper and aluminum. I hope, uh, I hope, I, th- <laughs> I hope I've learned it correctly. So far so good. Yeah. I mean, it works. So that's important. And so, yeah, there's, there's, there's a whole lot of improvement, home improvement going on in our house. But the other thing we wanted to talk about just real briefly, the one thing, the wonder of a winter fire. Yes. In we the house. have a fireplace and we finally, right before the end of the Christmas season, outfitted it with yep. all the things that it needs for Zach to build a fire. Yep. We got the five tool set, which our, our one-year-old son loves because there's a little tiny broom <laughs> and he thinks it's for him because it's his size. So he just <laughs> wanders around the house with a little fireplace broom spreading ashes everywhere. And, uh, and yeah, so we, we got the screen in front Great, of the fireplace and, and all that. Screen, yep. Um, and so, yeah, we've been trying to, trying to set up fires as often as we can and the girls love it. And we will, uh, start a fire and then crack open the line, the witch in the wardrobe, which we're reading through a chapter at a time with our girls. And, uh, it's great. Sometimes some hot chocolate. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, I think that's it for the read, watch, listen. Yeah. Let us know what you're reading, watching and listening. Yeah. Zach and Sally, Z-A-C and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter where we rarely post anything at vernacularpod or on Instagram where we also (laughs) rarely post anything at vernacularpod. I do try to post like with every, with every uh, post of a new episode, I try to post like a little, you know, 30 second excerpt from the show or something and, and encourage people to go, go listen, but we're not like. You know, there's not a ton of activity going on over there. Yeah. Just to warn you, don't uh, don't ex- <laughs> don't expect great meme content. Is what I'm saying. All right. Well, in the meantime, check out any of other any of our other podcasts on the Vernacular Podcast Network. You can check out the Popcast, where Josh and Maureen break down pop culture. You can check out Breaking Pod, where we talk about the greatest TV show ever made, even better than The Crown. You can also check out Third String, the newly resurrected sports podcast that I do with Pete LeCleed, or Creedal Catholic, my new theology podcast that um, I'm just having a ton of fun with and really having some great guests on to uh, talk about all things theology. So, And in two weeks, come back here to hear us talk about The Crown. All right. For Vernacular Podcast, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week. You know that